You're listening to episode 84 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. Welcome back. I'm so thankful you're here, and I'm so excited to have Lauren Chandler here with us today. We're going to talk through some of the mud she's faced in life and some of what she has learned along the way. Lauren, welcome to the show. I'm so thankful you're joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, we loved getting to know you in that first part, and I just am glad you're back. So first off, I have to say, we have never met, but I know that we do both have 13-year-old girls. So that is all I need to say about that. (laughs) Yes, already a sisterhood. (laughs) I know. I'm finding that it's so, so interesting having a girl. My oldest is 20. He's a boy, but, Uh but girls at 13, it's just starting into that new discovery of coming into their own and wrestling through abstract things and all the girl stuff in middle school. So hard. (laughs) It is. And friendship and like helping, like for us, it's been determining boundaries for her Mm -hmm. that she actually, like she wants us, like just with friends and stuff that gives her an out on something. So anyway, it's a whole, whole new territory. Yes. I know. I know. My daughter had a boy follow her around the first week of school. I'm like, oh, baby. I know. I'm like, she's like, I feel so bad. I don't want to hurt his feelings. And I'm like, okay, well, this is like convo 101, you know? Right. (laughs) It's just like, Right straight to the heart of the matter, because we had been homeschooling for four years. So, uh-huh. you know, they went back, they returned to school. And so, yes. you know, it's just been a learning learning curve for us all. And I'm sure you can relate. But Oh, yeah. Well, my kids went to, they've been in like a part-time homeschool, part-time private Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, Audrey sent from kindergarten to sixth grade. And then the other two just had like, Reed was in, uh, started fourth grade. Nora started first grade. And, um, this, I mean, I was done with the homeschool part. So they all three went to public school at the beginning of the year. (laughs) So we're in the same boat. Yep. The whole hybrid thing works for me. I never intended to be a homeschooler, but then I was for a few years and now Uh they're back. Praise the Lord. They're doing great. And so am I. Yes. Yes. I will. Amen. Yeah. I was also at the first if gathering in Austin and heard you lead music. I just loved getting to be there. It's just such a special thing y'all are doing. And I just wanted to tell you that personally. Oh, Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Your involvement began at the very beginning, right? Uh, Yes. In fact, Jenny and I, uh, I, we, we have a mutual acquaintance who connected the two of us. He was like, I I just really think y'all need to be connected. And she was like, I have this dream. And I was like, well, I would love, you know, whatever you, however you think I can serve the vision Mm -hmm. of this dream, I would love to. And so from the very beginning, I love that. Well, I pray for you all often and I'm just cheering you all on what you're doing with women. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much. For those who may not know you, would you take a moment? Just tell us a little bit about your family, where you live and some things you love. Yeah. 
Well, I'm Lauren Chandler, and uh, I live in the Dallas area in a suburb called Flower Mound, and I'm married with three kids. Uh, my kids are Audrey, Reed, and Nora, and they're 13, 10, and 6, almost 7. And then uh, my husband is Matt Chandler, who is the pastor, the t- lead teaching pastor at the Village Church. Uh, we have multiple campuses in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, we've been at the Village for um, 13 years. We can always know how long we've been there from how old our oldest is, because I was, I think, eight months pregnant with her when he uh, came on staff as the lead pastor. He was 28 years old when he became the lead pastor of First Baptist Highland Village, which is now (laughs) called the Village Church. The Village Church. Yes. So yeah, we've been at the village ever since. I um, have served in the worship ministries from the beginning. Um, I do lead worship outside of the village. I also have written my first book and um, hope to write some more. And yeah, that's that's a little bit of me. I love it. Well, you have recently released your first book, Steadfast Love, and I must say it was wonderful, encouraging. Um, but before we talk about that, I know you're no stranger to adversity and hard things. Um, yeah. You know, the list, you know, just like for any one of us, we have a lot more uh, hard things that we've faced than a lot of people know. The fact that you'd wrote about it has led us in to not feel alone, which I've loved. Um, mm. Things like miscarriage, things like struggling with smallness and comparison, mm. um, hardship in marriage, s- stuff with our parents and our parents' health, Yeah, you know, 12-step things, anchors, <laughs> and all the way to cancer. So it's we can't talk about all of it, but I would love if you'd start you know, back growing up in your early young adult years, what are some of the things that were hard that kind of set you up for that struggle Mm. in the musician area of your life? Because um, I think, you know, that you're not alone, Lauren. You're so not alone. This is such a hard (laughs) thing, I think, especially for women. And the fact that you you are talking about it um, and writing about it is an encouragement. So let's just start there, maybe. Yeah. You know, I think it it, it started, you know, I'm I'm seeing my daughter being 13 uh, go a little bit through what I went through, just kind of trying to figure out who she is and um, kind of trying on different skins, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, where um, I remember being her age and, you know, seeing a girl that was like, you know what, that's working for her. I'm going to try to make that work for me. And so, <laughs> you know, like trying to put on their skin, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, I, it, it didn't really stop. Um, I, the older I got, going into college and and then even getting married, you think, oh, well, once you get married, you'll know, oh, well, I'm married and and this is defining my identity, Mm -hmm. but um, not necessarily, if anything, that can lead to more chains and and more um, just frustration and struggle because our identity isn't rooted in the Lord. It's rooted in, you know, our relationship with others and how others define us. But so specifically with music, um, I grew up loving to sing, loving to just sit at the piano and pick out a tune and play it and for hours. And then, um, I enjoyed starting to sing in choir and then singing and a little 
ensemble at church and, and just kind of this root of, am I good enough? You know, just started kind of popping its head mm-hmm. up and, and comparing myself to other people. And, and so for me, I, I believe the Lord gave me a, a gift and he gave me a gift to use for his glory, but, um, it started being tainted by my own heart, um, mm-hmm. where I wanted to make the gift about me and not about him. And so I started looking around, you know, felt this, uh, pull towards leading worship. And, um, I kind of looked around at, okay, what does this look like for a woman, um, in a, in a, in ministry to lead worship? And of course, um, that's when passion was, mm-hmm. um, in full force. Uh, I think I went to passion 99 and, um, it's funny, we <laughs> talked about Christine Ockles in the pre-show. Yeah. Talk about her again. And none of this would be new to her. But, you know, seeing Christy and thinking, that's what I want. And I think I did see something really good. And the Lord was showing me something um, that was right and beautiful in, in how Christy is so good at drawing people to worship um, the Lord. And, and she has used her gift, which is hers, her voice that is distinct to lift him up and make much of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I did is I was like, I like how she sounds. I'll take that. And so just trying to pattern myself after her and, and comparing myself, okay, do I sound like her? Am I close enough to her? You know, um, because I, I saw that what she did worked and I wanted that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what it was like to have my own voice, to have my own set of gifts that the Lord specifically gave to me. So kind of like how different instruments have different timbre, how a violin doesn't sound like a viola and how a flute doesn't sound, you know, sounds a little different from the piccolo and, and how they can be similar, but they're the way that they're put together makes them different. And so I, I told the Lord, no, this is what I want to sound like, or this is how (laughs) I want to be gifted. And so then I was frustrated because I'm a sorry second version of anyone else. Mm -hmm. I I will, I will never measure up to that, you know, but I can be who God's created me to be, to have the voice that he's given me to use that. Um, that's going to be better than me being a sorry second version of someone else. But that was a, that was a really intense and long battle um, because it probably started, you know, my late teens and then really wasn't, I didn't really get to the root of it till probably my mid twenties after I'd Mm -hmm. had two kids. And part of that was, you know, I'd had this, I'd know I'm good enough if, you know, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. all these, okay, I'll know I'm good enough if I get to sing here. Okay. I'll know I'm good enough if they invite me. Okay. I know I'm good enough whatever. So kind of the ultimate, I know I'm, I know that I'm good enough if, was if I get to sing with Christy Knuckles on a project. I mean, that was like Mm -hmm. the ultimate. And so you would have arrived. I, (laughs) yes, I would have arrived. I would know it's good enough. Hmm. Bless Christy's heart. She invited me to sing on some, a, a little EP that she put together and it was like 2006. And, um, I was, you know, super nervous, super excited. Couldn't believe it. Pinching myself. You're like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah, this is it. I'm going to finally know I'm good enough, finally be satisfied. And, and, you know, I was in the studio. It was, it went fine. 
and then find, I get the, um, I get the track back and I'm listening to it and I hated my voice. I hated every oh, part no. of it. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I knew something was wrong. Like something was super wrong in my heart. I likened it to someone who has maybe an eating disorder um, that like they look in a mirror and although they're skinny, all they can see is fat. Mm. And I felt like that's, I was kind of like a musical anorexic, so to speak, where I was like, okay, um, I'm looking in the mirror and it's not enough. It's terrible. Like, I'm not good. Why am I even doing this? Mm. Um, I should give it all up. And, uh, I knew something was wrong. And so actually I started a 12 step program at our church had, uh, celebrate recovery and, um, started just, I just knew something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I knew that that whole issue was not the main issue. Mm -hmm. It was a symptom of a deeper issue. Mm -hmm. And so really got to the heart of what was going on in my heart. And it was basically that I wanted the glory. I was not happy with God, how God made me that Mm -hmm. I was not, um, that I should be better than I am. That was kind of the heart of it. I should be better. It's, it's this like false, it's like weak pride. You know, Mm -hmm. there's some people that their pride puffs up and they're like, I'm so good. You know, I got this. (laughs) Mine was, I, I should be, I'm crappy. I should be better than this. And so kind of that pity, um, where it's, it's the same rate of pride. And so, um, just facing that and seeing where it wasn't just music and leading worship where that was, um, being evidenced. It was in other places too, where I, you know, I'd beat myself up for not being a good enough wife for not being a good enough mom for never being enough. And, and that was rooted in me thinking that I could be enough. And right. I, I can't, I cannot, I, I am weak, just like you're, you're saying at the beginning, just mm-hmm. that, um, it's in my, or in the pre-show that my weakness is an opportunity for me to point to him and say, but he is strong enough. Yeah. And don't you think it's really hard to get in that deep, deep place inside of yourself to really get to the root of what's going on? Because so many of us do this. I want to be them. I want to write like them. I want to sing like them. I want to be in my professional life like them. You know, name, name, fill in the blank, like you had said. And But God has created us with a uniqueness, just like you had mentioned. And so at the core of comparison is really this distrust in what God has given, a distrust in how he's created us and really telling him, well, no, you don't really have it all together for me. Like (laughs) I need to be what I think I need to be. And he's like, just I can just picture him shaking his head like, oh, daughter, I love you so much. We're going to get there. You're just going to take a long long path, the long and winding road down to the end toward me. And um, what I love so much about you sharing your personal struggle, because let's face it, it is embarrassing (laughs) admitting that you wanted to be like Christy, right? I know it is. It is. It's embarrassing for me to admit I want a podcast like somebody else, or I want to be a nurse like somebody else, or I want to be a wife like somebody else. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, getting to the root of it, though, what I read 
when in, in what you wrote was that there's a freedom that comes to mm-hmm. be who God has created you to be. And it was yes. out of that place yeah. that you were allowed to soar, that you were really free to soar to the full yeah. potential that God had intended all along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think too, you know, I'm on this side of things where the Lord's let me have some opportunities. Um, cause another thing was, and it wasn't just Christy, but other, you know, female worship leaders mm-hmm. that I would see that got to travel and lead worship over here. And I'd be like, oh, if only I could do that, you know, and I've gotten a taste of it and I don't super love to travel. I would like to be home. And I, when I do get opportunities to lead worship, I'm so grateful and the Lord supplies the grace needed for that time. But I'm always glad when I come home, I don't think I could every weekend go somewhere or even every other weekend go somewhere and and lead worship to Mm -hmm. people I don't know. And, and if the Lord ever called me to that, then I, I trust you would supply the grace. So I never want to say never, but when he's given me a taste of that, I'm kind of like, I'm okay with, with the life that he's letting me live. So yeah, he knows. It's wonderful that you can see that blessing that's there in that, because Mm -hmm. sometimes that comparison issue continues on in issues like that. And that's another long windy road to get back to where you've, you've, you know, landed. So that's, that's really good. Okay. Let's shift to marriage. Let's talk about marriage. Marriage is so hard. A majority of of, um, our friends who are listening with us today are married. And um, you and Matt have been very uh, candid and transparent Mm -hmm. about how marriage is hard and how it's a sanctifier. And we don't have to park here a long time. But I know out of your struggle and what you've learned, you're giving back to married couples now Mm -hmm. with some things that you're doing. And I would love for them to hear about that if they don't already know about it. And just a few of those, you know, I, I'm guessing pride was sort of at the root of some of it too, you know, because oh, yes. we are who we are, wherever we are. Yes. That sounded weird. We are who we are, wherever we are. We take our Correct. stuff with us, right? So we're yes. lugging all, all this luggage with us, all yep. this baggage we've packed up that because we think we need it for the journey. Yeah. And uh, it just weighs us down. And sometimes yeah. unpacking that is so painful. Yeah. In, in like re, uh, recovery circles, it's wherever you go, there you are. That's there how you go. they say that. Yeah. And <laughs> Thank you're you. taking it with you. <laughs> um, but I like what you said. I like that. I think you should like coin that. Okay. Um, I, the first six ish years of our marriage was really, really hard. And, you know, it wasn't hard in that there was like unfaithfulness or, you know, it was, we just, we both were immature. Mm -hmm. We both had baggage, like you said. It's like an obscure, diffuse undercurrent, right? That you can't quite put your finger on. It's just not gelling. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of our, you know, Matt's seeing this uh, counselor who's awesome. And he talks about how usually you marry your emotional equivalent um, because you're not going to have any kind of um, patience for someone that's not kind of on the same level emotionally. Mm, and so, yeah, isn't that, I like I've, that. I've 
like put that in the back of my mind. And, and when I meet people, <laughs> I pull it. And I was like, oh, this makes sense now. Anyway, but <laughs> y'all us, are both clueless. <laughs> for us, it was true. Exactly. Yeah. But I think our junk kind of fed each other. My junk mm-hmm. fed his junk and his junk fed mine. Yeah. Where I I struggled with weak pride. He struggled with like overt pride. Mm-hmm. Like I've got this. Why can't you pull it together? Like I'm doing this. <laughs> you suck at this. I right. mean, and then I was thinking I do suck. I cannot. I can't do this. Why? Like I'm the problem. I am the problem in our marriage. And he was like, yes, you are the problem in our marriage. <laughs> so it was kind of awful. Yeah. Um, but, but I will say Matt was the first one who really put feet to getting help. And I, I kept, I was stuck in that, in that cycle of, I'll just do better. I'll just try harder. I'll Mm -hmm. do more Bible studies. I'll pray more. I'll be more serious about scripture memory, you know, trying to do all these things that wasn't really dealing with my heart, what Mm -hmm. was going on there. And so, um, it wasn't till, um, our, uh, our second, our son was born, our second child that, and this was all around the same time when I, I, you know, I got to sing on that project with Christine is around the time that I met um, Mari, the woman that was just a, has been a significant mm. person in my um, life. That's when I started going to celebrate recovery. That's when we started seeing the chains fall off. And mm. I will say one more thing that contributed to just freedom in our marriage. Um, my parents have been married, um, you know, they're, they're still together. And around the time all that happened for me, my dad, um, just brought something to light that he'd kept silent for, um, gosh, you know, uh, 13 years. Mm. And, um, even though he could have gotten, gotten away with it, with no one ever knowing, Mm -hmm. um, for years, he, he, brought it to light. And I think that there was something that happened spiritually, like in, like, just chains being broken that him, uh, so I, you know, for anyone, um, if there are any men that happen to be listening or fathers, that there is something about fathers coming clean, that, that it affects your children and, and it affects them negatively if you don't and whether they ever know about it or not, or it, it, it can affect them positively. Mm-hmm. And I really think there's a direct correlation between my dad's confession and, and my freedom in our, in our marriage. And so, um, well, it sounds like it was a catalyst that it allowed was. you to move to a new place of seeking freedom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it was the gift. It was. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I will say with that kind of struggle with Matt, Um, and then you throw in the music part, there was also, um, kind of like Matt would travel a lot and he would be on planes and, and, um, especially when I was pregnant, I was real fearful that something would happen to him. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine, okay, who could take care of me? Who of our friends like a man could take care of me because I'm going to have a baby. I don't know what it's like. I've had little jobs here and there, but I don't know what it'd be like to actually have to have a a job that would support this child. I don't know what it'd be like to be a single mom. I mean, I'd have to have a man to help take care of me, even though my parents would have, but, and so there were just like 
um, relationships in my life that even though nothing ever happened in my mind, Mm -hmm. I started having this whole, oh, what if, and, and, and just kind of this fantasy and not, not anything really, not sexual or sensual at all. It was more, what would my life look like if something happened to Matt and this man would have, would take care of me. And so, um, so I, I was able to just put words to that, to Matt Mm, and, and just ask for his forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to say it started out as something super small and seemingly innocent where Mm -hmm. it was like, Oh my gosh, if something happens to Matt, what am I going to do? And Oh, I have this friend. He's not married. You know, he Mm -hmm. could at least take care of me. I don't know if we get married. And then, and then it going snowballing into Mm -hmm. what if we did get married? What would Mm -hmm. that look like? And so it's um, so insidious and I'm glad you're bringing it up because a lot of people who write to me because of my own story, this is Mm. the story that they say. And um, you're right in that it's just, it's all, not ever, a lot of times not intended. It's just right. one, one tiny little thought followed by another one, followed by another one, eventually leading your mind to dwell in a place that you never would have intended to go. And yeah. then the mistake some people make is not giving words to that because it's too scary or right. it's too embarrassing yes. um, or whatever, or they just minimalize it and they say, oh, well, this is no big deal. Like I've got this, you know? Yeah. So I'm so glad to hear you say and encourage others to put words to yes. it because I think the thoughts aren't wrong. It's the what we do with them that could become right. wrong, you know? Right. So thanks right. for talking about that. Yeah. And I'll even say, even after confessing that to Matt, um, there, like probably a few years after that with, um, I just felt prompted because I lead worship. And a lot of times I'm the only woman, um, I'll either travel with a band or, you know, and, and you get, you, you, there's a camaraderie there and these guys are your friends. They feel like, like family. And, um, I remember, just admitting to Matt, I was like, I am scared. Like, I don't want there to be any kind of, like, I feel affection for, mm-hmm. for these guys, but I don't ever want it to be more than that. And right. I just want to tell you that. And that was really scary to tell him because sure. then I didn't want him, you know, paranoid, like, oh, she, she said hi to such and such. Right. Oh, she's <laughs> texting with him. Is there <laughs> right. something going on? You know? Yeah. And so. Well, and you still um, wanted to play in the band. I mean, you didn't right. want that taken away. So it's tricky. You're right. And that's it where we, we rely on the maturity of our person to be able to hear sure. us, you know, because yes. there are some people who don't have the capacity, like you were talking You're about right. emotional intelligence, you know, we have to get to a place. And sometimes that requires a professionally trained person to mediate that. Yes. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. for sure. I mean, I think if I'd said that to him probably four years before, five years before, it would have been bad. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it was something that I knew he he could handle. It, I mean, there is still an element of a risk in that, but I knew where where Matt was, and I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to just to just go there with him. But um, yeah, we um, speaking of Matt, he wrote a book called Mingling of Souls a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and it's it's. Um, like my book is a meditation on someone and his is on the book of song of Solomon. And, uh, so, you know, Matt was, uh, on a tour promoting the book 
mingling of souls. And I just was along for the ride and did the Q and a with them. And we had a friend who was helping us put these um, events on who said, Hey, what if we kind of still use some of the material from the book, but mainly kind of focus on y'all's story and, and how God has, has used you and worked in your marriage and kind of done a miracle in your marriage. Um, what if we kind of focus on that a little bit more? And because there are a lot of, um, couples out there who, you know, and we found this to be true. We would read books on, you know, Christian marriage and, and find ourselves defeated. We're like, because the message was, okay, do this, this, and this, and you'll have a happy marriage. And, and we were doing all those things and it was still really hard. hard. Yeah. And we were still failing. And I think a lot of times I think it's well-intended, um, but we can miss the gospel mm-hmm. in it where, um, there's, there's this amount of grace. There's this, uh, forgiveness there's, and then there's just where it is hard and where we've got to face some things and we've got to, um, be willing to see the ugly and be willing to love when it's not necessarily in return. And, and so, um, that, the heart of mingling of souls is to extend the gospel to people in marriage or seeking um, to be married or just wanting to figure out how do I date in a way. And so Mm -hmm. we don't have a story that's, we did everything right. Follow our footsteps. (laughs) If anything we have, don't do what we did. Right. (laughs) But I hope that that's an encouragement to people to see that no one is too far gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, is it an online conference people can, can watch or do they physically have to attend? Well, we did a conference in February in Jacksonville, Florida, that they did um, a simulcast. And I believe the session still might be online. Some of them are online because I was able to see some of them. I'll have to link to that. It's super encouraging. Oh, good. And then we are doing one um, actually in a college town here in Texas, College Station, uh, in September that will focus mainly on dating. And so kind of more the Mm -hmm. singles uh, and dating aspect. Such a need. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I love it. Well, what I love is when people take their hard things and they they God births ministry out of them to give back to others. Yeah. Um, and that's what you guys do again and well, again. I'm grateful. So I love he it. Let's us. <laughs> well, you've been learning about God's steadfast love. You call it his Hesed love. I guess you don't call it that. The writers, <laughs> the writer of Psalms called it that. Yeah. Um, how to hope and be anchored. You've learned so much and you wrote about so much. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about these anchors and chains, these false anchors and chains that we really, that really are rooted in our desire to be in control. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can just start there and tell them a little bit about the book and how the Hesed love that you described. Yeah. Um, So Psalm 107, um, I had a friend just years ago, hey, I want you to look at the song. I think there's something there either a song, something like that. And so uh, I read it and I'm sure I've read it before, but it, it just um, hit me like a load of bricks. Just um, it's so the song, Psalm 107, it's a beautiful song because it's very, it has a story and I, and it has um, four parts really. 
actually six. There's like a call to worship, and then you've got the story of the people in the desert, and then next, the story of the people in chains, and then the story of the people in um, uh, suffering from their own foolishness, and then the um, the story of people caught in a storm. And then at the very end, just kind of this uh, plea for people to consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And so in all these stories or scenarios or seasons, whatever you want to call them, um, you see God's steadfast love and the psalmist uses the word chesed. And I'm sure I'm butchering that, but um, I don't this think idea. so. It's this idea of loyal love. It's the covenant making, covenant keeping love of God that Mm -hmm. not only has he been the initiator of the covenant with us to say, I will be your God and you will be my people. um, But he's also the covenant keeper who, uh, you know, provided Jesus, God, the son to Mm -hmm. be the covenant keeper because we could not keep it on our own. And so, um, you see in each scenario, the, the desert, how God's people, um, were in the desert. We, we read in other parts of scripture that a lot of times, um, the people are in the desert because God led them out there. Um, you think of the Israelites mm-hmm. being coming out of Egypt that he purposefully brought them through the wilderness. And, um, you know, I, I t- touch on different reasons why he did that. And, and the main one was that even though they had left Egypt, Egypt had not left them. So there was mm-hmm. e- Egypt, this idea of um, Egypt is, and Babylon is uh, usually illustrated or kind of been a symbol for just man's wisdom, man's way of doing it, just that we got this. We're, we'll we'll right. be in control. God, sure, you made us, but we know what's best for us. And so, um, so God was dealing with their hearts and, and just like the Israelites, we have our desert seasons where we feel lonely, we feel thirsty mm-hmm. or tired. Um, and, and, and so, um, those desert seasons, seasons aren't without purpose that the Lord is accomplishing something. Um, and he will lead us out if we're willing to follow, if we're willing to submit in some ways, he will lead his us out into a city to dwell in, in his timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, he shows us his steadfast love and leading us into the desert and then also leading us out. Um, and then the next section, um, chains, you see that God's people are in chains and it says they're chains of rebellion. Um, and then it goes on to say that he bows their hearts down with hard labor. Mm-hmm. So not only do they have these chains that are heavy and, and feel wrong, but they now God's like, putting more stuff. So it kind of harkens back to the story of the Israelites that when they're in Egypt, they're slaves. And so they're already have these quote unquote chains. But then, you know, when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh's like, oh yeah. Okay. So I'm going to make it harder for the Israelites to do their job. Right. I'm going to make them go get their straw. And so he bowed their hearts down. So the psalmist is kind of giving credit or blame and uh, to God for bowing their hearts down. But we know that because God is good, that there had to be a good reason for him to do that. And it was so his people would cry out to him because he is the only one that can truly break our chains. And mm-hmm. so those, you know, the wounds that we have, the, the, the relationships or 
addictions um, that we might be hooked on. And, and then even just those sins that trip us up that we feel like we can never Mm -hmm. get past. Like it's, we are hung up on them. Um, Sometimes the Lord will let us chase after those things and feel the weight of those chains so that we realize we cannot take them off. We, we can't do it anymore. We've got to look to him to break those chains for us. And in the Psalm, that's what happens is it says they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from his dis- their distress. He burst their bonds apart and he, you know, saw, he saws the uh, bars of iron in two. And, mm-hmm. and so that it is his steadfast love that bows our hearts down so that we see the chains, that we feel the heaviness so that we will cry out to the only deliverer we have. Mm-hmm. And then the next story is, is, uh, those that are uh, suffering from their own foolishness that they've said, you know what, these chains feel pretty good. I think I'll keep them. I think I, I know what's best for my life and I'm just going to do what I want to do. And then we suffer the consequences mm-hmm. of that, of, um, you know, folly is what, what the Bible would teach is there's, you know, there's wisdom in the beginning. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, so the opposite of, of wisdom, what he calls wisdom is man's wisdom to say, you know what, this seems right to me. I'm going with this. And so, uh, in that chapter, in the, those chapters in the book, I talk a lot about what does it mean to fear the Lord? Um, isn't fear a bad thing? You know, Mm -hmm. love casts out fear. Um, and, and really the fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. The fear of the Lord is to say, I don't know and you, I've got to look to you. Mm-hmm. I have nowhere else to go but to you, God. And so seeing his holiness, but then also experiencing his His great love and grace towards us and mercy and patience towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, and, and, and in that section, it talks about he sends out his word and he listens. So I talk about the importance of being his word and knowing it. Um, and then the word Jesus, you know, who's, who's called you know, the word. And so um, there's the last kind of story is the story of uh, the storm where you have people who are just minding their own business and they're working on ships. That's their job. It's just, you know, so storms are an occupational hazard (laughs) and uh, a storm comes and, and they, it says that they see the deeds of the Lord in the deep. And, uh, you know, the deeds of the Lord being his strength in the storm, like seeing his power over nature and seeing if nature is that scary and God is able to to harness that, he's in control of that. You know, how powerful is our God? Mm-hmm. And so um, just this idea of, of us, you know, we walk this earth and, and storms are an occupational hazard for us. Sin has entered through Adam and we feel the effects of it, not just in our own hearts and our own rebellion, but in, in disease in um, sins, other people's sins against us. There are all kinds of storms that can come upon us that are really no one's fault, or maybe they are someone's fault, but they're not ours. Um, but that God would be, um, Lord over the storm and, and, and how he is with us. And that it says that he leads them to, to their desired haven. 
And I think a lot of times we think, oh, my desired haven is that I live a, a painless life, um, that everyone in my family right. is safe and well, and, and that everything would mean goes God according to me. plan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, we don't even know our mm-hmm. own desires, but God knows, you know, and Hebrews 12 talks about the discipline of the Lord that, you know, we are given fathers to discipline us as they see fit, but God disciplines us for our good. Right. And so that discipline is necessarily punishment, but more of like a training to train us to know that he is the only thing that will never fail, the only anchor of our soul that we can truly tie our vessel to. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, that is, um, you know, the the heart of that desired haven is that he would become our desired ha- haven. Right. And through all of those seasons that he is our stability, right? He is the one who is giving what he knows is best for us, even though it may not feel like it's what's best yes. for us. Right. That's the hard thing. Um, yeah. But it's those storms that are so hard to understand yeah. because we feel like we're doing, uh, we're close to him, we feel surrendered to him, and yet hard things happen. And he, as God of all things, we know purposes for us, what is best for us, even though it doesn't feel best for us at the time. And I know that happened with you and Matt when he yeah. had that experience with cancer. Yeah. In 2009, Thanksgiving Day, Matt um, had a seizure and um, it revealed a golf ball size tumor in his right frontal lobe. And um, about a week after, so the Friday a week Friday after Thanksgiving, he was in an eight-hour surgery um, to remove that tumor. We didn't know how he would come out of it. We didn't know. We thought that the surgeon had said it more than likely is was malignant, um, but we weren't sure. And so um, he came out of the surgery, and praise God, he was able to know where he was, who all was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew his name. He knew, he knew the doctor's name. He knew who I was, his friends, but you could tell he was not okay. I mean, his head was wrapped in gauze and his like eyes were trembling. And I mean, he'd been mm-hmm. through an eight hour craniotomy. And so, um, you know, the, the following days were really hard after that because he, he declined, um, his kind of, um, he had a flat affect where you really, he's normally a very, um, expressive person and he felt like he was being expressive, but I mean, it was just mm-hmm. nothing. There was different. hardly, hardly a sparkle in his eye. And that was just so different. Is that the part um, where he went inward, like with music yes. and just kind of quiet? Yeah. Yeah. So hard. And so it was, and so I, I, that was also, that kind of got bad when he finally came home about two weeks later Mm. where I just pulled him aside and I said, look, (laughs) I get it, but Hey, you're here, you're alive and I need you to be here with us. Mm -hmm. And so you can have your music for some time, but the rest of the time I need (laughs) you with us. Um, you don't have to do anything, but just be here without the earbuds in. Right. And, um, so that we waited and waited and waited for the, the diagnosis to see what, you know, what, 
um, what kind of cancer or what mm-hmm. type of tumor was this? Mm-hmm. And the neurosurgeon pulled me and another man aside. Um, he's one of our lead pastors and uh, was the lead elder at the time. And he said, I don't want Matt to know this yet. Um, I need him to focus on getting well. But Matt has been diagnosed with grade three oligodendroglioma um, mm-hmm. with a prognosis. So expected you know, life expectancy of two to three years. And so, I mean, that hit me, uh, just like a sledgehammer in the gut. I mean, I felt, uh, that is not you what know, you wanted to hear. No, mm-hmm. not at all. And, and, you know, I came out of that meeting, I talked, talked to Brian, like, who do we tell? And we just, I just felt like, I don't want to put that on anybody else to try to keep it together for Matt Mm -hmm. when he doesn't know. And then I want to honor Matt. Mm -hmm. I want him to know before everybody else does, you know? And so that was really hard, uh, burden to carry because normally, you know, making a decision like that, I would have asked Matt, like, what do you think? Should I, or should I tell your parents? Should I not? Right. And man, I I didn't have him to go Mm -hmm. to. And so just having to carry that weight of what do I do? Um, and, and having to press into the Lord and ask him and really felt like I wanted to honor Matt. And it was a struggle for his parents. And, you know, being a parent, I, I was torn. Like, I right. knew they wanted to know. But I just, I felt like he, I wanted Matt to know first. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, um, that was a, a, a really difficult part. And it was funny, once once he found out, I almost was like, babe, did you hear what he said? <laughs> he just had this, I, you know, I'm going to make it kind of yeah. attitude and which was great, you know, especially when, you know, the neurosurgeon was thinking, Hey, let's not tell him yet because you know, he needs to get well. And I guess people before maybe get despondent and, you yeah. know, their recovery slowed down. Well, mm-hmm. not for Matt. He was like, all right, I got this. I'm going to prove him wrong. Yeah. So, and he has praise God, but you know, there were, there were that it wasn't just the, the couple of weeks at the hospital that were the trial, but the, mm-hmm. you know, 18 months of chemo and radiation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I had someone ask me, um, you know, your, your story ended up happy. I mean, what do you say to people, you know, who they there's didn't in this way where, um, their husband did die two Mm -hmm. to three years in. And, Mm -hmm. um, I have said, you know what, I pray that I, I listen to my own words that I, that I know that God is my desired haven and not that I get to grow old with Matt and not, um, that we, he gets to walk his daughters down the aisle and stay in there when his son, you know, marries a woman, all those dreams. Um, I pray that I will, um, I will be able to say, you know, with integrity, he is enough. Mm Um, and you know, with the brain tumor, they would say you're never in remission. I mean, be stable. That's oh, like okay. the best answer you can get. They say that it will come back, um, that this sort of thing just, it comes back. And, but for whatever reason, the Lord, we've just trusted that the Lord's healed him. And unless he reveals otherwise, we're going to believe that and, and give him the glory for 
yes, using medicine and using our fantastic neurosurgeon, but also causing those cells to not go rogue, but to keep them kind of in in obedience in a sense uh, to his will. And so, um, so always in the back of our mind, like when Matt has a headache or he's kind of, um, fuzzy in thought, um, that he's able, you know, there's always in the back of the mind, okay, is this going on? Like, is this, is it back? You know, um, what, what's going on? Or is it just, I'm tired and I'm just, my head's fuzzy or, um, it's a headache because everything's blooming right now. And so Mm -hmm. there's always that check of, you know what, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. It is a check for us that is really good at keeping our hearts centered on um, the fact that God will be enough no matter what. Mm, I love that. And I love in Psalm 107 how it says in verse 8 and 9, because I know gratitude and thanksgiving has been a big hallmark for you through all of this hard thing where God says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men, for he has, he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul Mm -hmm. he has filled with what is good. And I think what you're saying through the book, Steadfast Love, and what you've learned is that whether you're in a desert, whether you're in a place of chains, whether you've had your own folly or whether you are in the midst of a storm, God will satisfy you with his yeah. goodness and his steadfast love. And yes. so, and, and that's what that song, Though You Slay Me, I, I know it's from 2012, but I've just been yeah. going back to that again and again. And mm. I think it's such a beautiful surrender. I'll put a link to it. Um, yeah. Um, but a beautiful surrender. And I'm sure it came out of what you wrestled and learned through. But to learn about yeah. God's steadfast love through yes. whatever it is. So. Yeah, that song, um, Shane Bernard, uh, Shane Bernard and Shane Everett, Shane and Shane are, are friends of ours. And when I was recording that EP, um, Shane was like, hey, I've got this song that I'm, I don't have a second verse for. Tell me what you think. And he played the first verse in the chorus. And I was like, I want like, yeah. even though I didn't write that part of it, mm-hmm. that it, I could have, you know, cry of your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The cry of my heart. Mm-hmm. I probably couldn't have written it as well as Shane did, but yes. And then, um, I, I did get to contribute the second verse and, um, and, and yes, that's that though you slay me yet, mm-hmm. I will praise you. Mm-hmm. Um, just that idea of, um, you, I, my praise isn't based upon life going the way that I think it should. It's based upon the fact that you are good and you're worthy of my praise, God. And I will trust you. And mm-hmm. I know you're good. No matter what. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Lauren, no thank matter you what. so much for spending time with us today. I'm so encouraged by you. And uh, your publisher has um, so generously given me several copies to give away of Steadfast oh, Love. And I'm so so thrilled to share that with everybody. So I'll link to all the places where they can find you. And again, just blessings to you and Matt and your journey forward as you give back out of your own places of hard. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
so, so good. Still I will worship, sing a song to the one who is all I need. Those lyrics have been ministering to me so very much this last week. And that is a song that is from her 2012 EP entitled The Narrow Place, that place between what was and what will be in our lives, a place where we often stand right in the middle of some mud. And like Lauren described, it could be a place of the desert, a place where we feel like we're in chains, a place that's the result of our own folly, or maybe it's a place where we're in the middle of a storm. But one thing we know, God is with us right in that place. And we are a people who are all facing a narrow place in some way. And it really is God's steadfast love that Lauren and I long for you to find. And not only to find, but to know from experience that God is with you right now, wherever you are. And I'd encourage you today, just maybe right where you are, just offer a simple prayer to him, no matter what you're doing. It doesn't have to be fancy, just a prayer that says, you know, Lord, I know you are here with me. Help me to know your steadfast love. And I'm so thankful to Lauren for sharing her story, all that she shared in this episode and in the pre-show. It's just been great to have her here. And it's fun to make a new friend. Her new book is entitled Steadfast Love. And thanks to the generosity of her publisher, we are giving away four copies this week. I'm so excited to uh, give four of those away. And incidentally, Lauren has also released a single entitled Steadfast Love. It's a song that she released on iTunes with this book release as well. So you can go check that out too. So to be entered to win a copy of Lauren's new book, what I want you to do is I want you to share this episode with one friend on your favorite social media place. It can be Instagram, it can be Facebook, it can be Twitter, um, whatever it is, and just make sure and tag me so I can see it. Uh, I am Jackie underscore Watkins in most of those places. And then what I want you to do so I can for sure know that you did it, come over to the show notes page and leave me a comment that you shared it. And then I want you to write one way or one experience or one time in your life that you've known God's steadfast love. Maybe that was a time in the desert, a time where you were in chains. Maybe it was in the aftermath of your own folly like me or even in the midst of a storm, whatever it is, uh, it's my hope that that comment thread on the show notes page would become more than just a place to enter to win a book, but that it would become a comment stream um, that is an encouraging thread of examples of how God's steadfast love really does hold each and every one of us, no matter what we're facing. So on the show notes page, I will link to all that was mentioned in this episode, including where to find Lauren and her music and her book. And if you're listening on an Apple device, it will be super easy. All you have to do when you're listening in the Purple Podcast app to this episode, you click on the artwork of this show while this episode is playing and underneath there's going to be a link that will take you straight to the show notes page so that you can enter to win one of Lauren's books and that will be at jackiewatkins.com forward slash episode 84. Also, right there underneath the artwork of the show, next to the link to the show notes page, there will also be a link to subscribe to the show. And I want you to do that if you haven't already done it, because I don't want you to miss 
anything. And I'd highly encourage you to just pop through that link. And while you're there to subscribe, if you would be willing to write even a short rating or review, just even a few words or a sentence, I would be so, so thankful because it helps others to find this show so that they can be encouraged too. So I super look forward to reading about how you've experienced God's steadfast love in your own muddy place, in your own narrow place. Thank you again for being here with me to join me in this place, to share these muddy stories together. My prayer is that it is an encouragement to you and that no matter what it is you're facing today, that you would know you are so very loved and you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.